Detroit invites you to let them out do it. The Corpse That Took a Powder, another adventure of M.L. Alric. Personal notice, danger is my stock and trade. If life's tossing cares you can't handle, you got a job for me. M.L. Elric, see? Write full details. I need somebody's help so badly. I'm desperate. And it's signed... Sean Windsor. Afton Apartments 4A. All right, Belzy. We'd better get on our bicycle. You answer the rocket. Get your out of my face. Gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You might be qualified, Emil. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Albert? Hey, kids, it's your old pal, M.L. Elric, joined by Mark Felsey Felshauer, our damsel in distress, Sean Windsor, uh, Matt Jennings, the editor of Soft Magazine, Joy Zuber, who keeps things running as things get complicated with all these different parts we're pulling together. And we have a special guest this week. You know her, or at least women around the world know her as that woman with the perfect hair. I've always found the lipstick very appealing as well. And I say that uh, with respect because I play hockey with her husband, who used to be a bouncer, who wrestles and does judo. So I say that strictly as admiration and not with any inappropriate ardor. So Stacy Hashi, who you've seen on TV doing signing for the mayor, for the governor, and uh, at other times in court for horrible felons and people like that. So we're going to talk to Stacy in a minute. Although I guess when you're doing it, they're not felons yet because they're innocent until proven guilty. So we're going to get into all of that with Stacy after we get the show in a full fury. We are brought to you today by Altus Beer. They are our Facebook sponsor, and uh, we really appreciate them being a part of the show. Let me tell you a little something about Altus. It's the original Detroit lager that's making a comeback here in the greatest city in the world. Altus is the do anything, anytime, with anyone beer. I always try to make sure to have some of it stocked at home. It's in the garage staying cool. Pretty soon I'm going to move it inside. And the fun fact about Altus is it only takes six of them to make anyone a 10. Now, it's great on tap. You can get it at bars and restaurants when they reopen. But the fact that we have a lockdown doesn't mean you have to do without your Altus. You can find it at stores, better stores throughout the area. And to find out where that is, you can go to altus.beer. Let them know what your store is, and they will try and get it there. Let your store owner know that you would like to have Altus on the shelves, and we will do our best to make that happen. A lot of things that started here in Detroit went away, but boy, am I glad Altus is back. It's a lager that packs a punch and is seriously smooth and delicious. So go pick some cans up today and enjoy it by yourself or with a friend who's at least six feet away. Go to altus.beer and find the location nearest you. I promise this beer is insanely good, and you'll be thanking the soul of Detroit for this suggestion. I also want to welcome a new sponsor onto the show. We are very grateful. And now Luke Nowacki is an official sponsor of the entire Red Shovel Network. So Luke, thank you for stepping up. We know times are tough in the financial services business, but this is really a time for amateurs to step to the side and let the professionals take over. The volatility appears to be back. And if you have concerns over your investments, would like to discuss your strategy Give Luke Nowacki a call at 248-663-4748 or email 
at lnowacki at jhnetwork.com. That's L-N-O-W-A-C-K-I at jhnetwork.com. Luke has been doing this for nearly 19 years and has helped clients through the dot-com collapse in 2000, the 9-11 downturn, the 2003 downturn, and the housing, excuse me, the 0203 downturn and the housing and financial collapse of 0809. And he can help you presently. He will make it all about you, sweetheart. So give Security's Luke a call. We'll have information hey, on how to reach hey, you, him. You just jumped on your outro oh, there. Did you know What's that? that? You just stepped over your outro. You told me what the outro was and I fired the, the disclaimer. Oh, you know what? Um, Are you changing Luke, your outro? No wacky. He's waiting for your call at 248-663-4748. He will make it. All about you, sweetheart. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates and member FINRASIPC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. What a total mess. You know, I did have the coronavirus, so maybe you could cut me a break. Like a month ago. Well, they say it can come back. Oh, so you're saying you have it again. Great. Let's, yeah, you want this microphone? No, no, I don't want it. Okay. We'll steam clean it. So I was reading the New York Times a while ago, and there was uh, a uh, Nobel Prize winning author who's been working on a, a novel about plague times, and he's been doing a lot of research. And I wanted to share with everybody a little uplifting story about what we can learn from plague novels over the last half a millennium, not because, uh, because I'm some sort of bookish intellectual snob, but because yeah. I think we're hearing a lot about people wanting to rush back and we're trying to forget what science is telling us. And one of the things that I truly believe is that, that we can learn a lot from history and that we have a big problem when we don't. So here's what uh, Orhan Pamuk says that uh, after reviewing centuries, literally centuries worth of literature, Throughout human literary history, what makes pandemics alike is not mere commonality of germs and viruses, but that our initial responses are always the same. The first response of the outbreak of a pandemic has always been denial. National local governments have always been late to respond and have distorted facts and manipulated figures to deny the existence of the outbreak. Boy, does that sound familiar. The 1630 plague in Milan spread rapidly because the restrictions introduced were insufficient, their enforcement was lax, and fellow citizens didn't heed them. Much of the literature of plague and contagion diseases presents the carelessness, incompetence, and selfishness of those in power as the sole instigator of the fury of the masses. So right now we've seen some masses who have been pretty furious in Lansing. And I'm very curious when we get to Stacy to find out how she feels about going into a situation like that because uh, she's a, she's a very demure professional woman. I, I don't think she packs her AR 15 when she goes to knock on the governor's very large wooden door. Um, the author, Mr. Pamuk says, I am reminded of the adage about pandemics and plagues that those who are afraid live longer. So there's some advice Hmm. Not from Dr. Fauci, not from Dr. Burks, not from a stable genius or anybody else, but from our ancestors, from people who have experienced versions, varieties of this over the last hundreds of years. And while we're all in a rush to get back to things, I kind of like that last note that those who are a little bit afraid tend to live a little bit longer. Because as we said, when we first started talking about 
whether or not the media was overhyping the coronavirus on this show more than a month ago. It's better to be safe than sorry. And it's better to be alive than hacking up a lung before they put you in a freezer truck. So I'm off my soapbox, but folks, please, let's be careful, mainly because we need the downloads. You want to kill yourself, you listen to Joe, Ro- Joe Rogan listeners, you do whatever the hell you want, but we want you to be back. We want you to stay alive. Not that this is the great debate, but is the argument really about the science or is it about how many deaths are acceptable to open up the economy now? Well, aren't they, aren't they linked? Because if you listen to the science, they're saying we're going too fast. Dr. Burks well, science is really, always uh, contradicted a lot of what we're hearing from the White House and saying all these plans to reopen, they're, they're too hasty. Oh, I understand that. But science is always going to, they want it to be zero. I, I'm just saying it depends on who the deaths are, doesn't it? Who's dying? It's a risk assessment and it sucks and nobody wants to admit that, especially people in public policy. But at some point, depending on who the deaths are, you can't affect everybody else. Well, we, we have we have heard studies, and I think there was a, a dude at Yale who I think mostly those Yale types are considered pretty liberal, but he was saying that um, that something we've heard, I think, from the president and from other people that, listen, uh, we're going to have deaths that are related to being locked up, suicide, depression, business failures, people who have long-term mental um, problems because they got so bummed out or they weren't able to get the treatment they need to get back on the right path. So there, you know, there is a, a, a there is a balancing act. Yeah. And uh, I guess all I'm saying is I don't know what the right mix is. No so I'm going to, no one to play it safe. Yeah. I mean, that's, what's hard. No one really knows. Until the Altus runs out. <laughs> no one knows where that balance is or, you know, it's everybody has an opinion on it scientist or otherwise and that really is the problem that nobody can come along and now it's become politicized so it's a total mess now that's just that's just one man one idiot on a podcast's opinion you're not an idiot eh, <laughs> i can play one well you know you're not you're not the idiot on this podcast i am <laughs> hardly hardly all i'll say is those who are afraid live longer so uh so I'm, I'm going with that. I, I hear the voice of history, and it's not calling me to a grave. Didn't, uh, didn't Governor, former Governor of New Jersey, Governor Christie, last night or yesterday say we need to get back out there? there people are going to die. We have to accept that. So that's probably that's one end of the spectrum. Kind of what you know, I mean. Right? Yeah. It's an well, inter- he's also the guy who went back out to the beach when he closed them for everybody else. Right, so, right, uh, exactly. in fact, I think oh. there were a few people trying to roll him into the water, and he just said, I'm just tanning. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Like I, 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 you know, I normally, I normally eat this much krill. It's not nice. No, it's mean. I know people thought I was going for plankton, but I brought krill out. Krill, there. Yeah, yeah, nice we change. Like to keep, we like to keep you on your toes here on the soil of Detroit. What are you talking about. <laughs> I, I think, yeah. I think you're getting a little stir crazy. Little yeah, no, I am. And and, and I, well, I should you put talk- a tie on. What? Tell me what the tie is first before you. Blather on about over whatever. So first of all, this is one of my sweet skinny ties, but you can see I'm also <laughs> paying tribute to uh, to the dangers out there. Uh, I uh, I got a bounce at one thirty to get to the mayor's press comp- conference's daily briefing, so uh, so I, I I took a shower um, and uh, and put on some clean clothes. So okay. So special. Yeah. Do you thought it was for you? It may be for Stacy. <laughs> well, I did. Uh, I thought I thought we were going on a date later. So I maybe that's why you were. Doing that's it. why Sean's dressed up. That's right. It's just a date with, yeah. Sean, are those clean socks? 
No, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm in the clothes that we're going to watch a nice Jennifer Aniston romantic comedy oh God, later. God, that sounds terrible. You know, I want to be comfortable. Wow. Well, uh, uh, hopefully uh, you loaded up on the Jergens before they shut the stores. Um, uh, so before we go to uh, a guest who is way too sophisticated to be brought down to our level, hey, let me tell you a little bit about uh, another fine professional woman who's out there trying to help make your life better. And that is Lindsay Broadwell. If being locked in made you realize your house is way too small, then it's time to call our new realtor sponsor, Lindsay Broadwell. When it's time to move into a new house, whether you're buying, selling, or both, you need to contact Lindsay Broadwell. Your house is one of the most valuable investments, and that's why you need an agent you can trust that knows the business inside and out. Lindsay started her career at Hall Financial, and now she's an expert in real estate. Lindsay will make sure you get the most out of your house and that everything goes smoothly by finding you a new home that fits your lifestyle. Buyers, sellers, especially first-time buyers, make sure you contact Lindsay at broadwellhomes.com or 248-767-7767. She's a licensed realtor at Remax Nexus. That's broadwellhomes.com. Let Lindsay know ML sent you. And when you buy that new place and you need to finance it, well, David Hall and Hall Financial are there for you. They care about the community, and that's why the team at Hall Financial is working from home around the clock to help people save money by refinancing. That's right. If you need to save money, you need to find some money, it may be right there in your own cash flow. Just get a better deal. Get some lower interest rates and keep more of that money in your pocket. It's a great time to look at your options, and that's why many people are refinancing right now. If you haven't done so in the last year, Hall Financial is here to help you. If you're worried about coronavirus, don't. Homes can be appraised without someone stepping foot inside your house. Appraisers are doing drive-by appraisals. Hall Financial Service is the fastest in the business. That's why they have nearly 1,500 five-star reviews for Michigan homeowners. And I've given them two of those reviews because they've done Ooh. two deals for me and they were great. Go to your web page, our webpage and click on the logo to get started or call 248-308-5000. Hall Financial, lower payments, better options, more personal attention. 248-308-5000 and MLS 146-7435. And later in the show, we're going to let you know we have a fun new program for you to help sponsor the show. And to get something out of it, we call it Cami Soul, based oh, on yeah. the cameo that you've heard yeah. Drew and Mike talk about so much. That's going to be later on in the show. If you're a Facebook watcher, we really appreciate you being out there. Please share the link. Um, but you're going to have to listen to find out how to get in on this as well as to hear room 7609. It's base month in room 7609. Those are some features that are exclusive to our audio downloads. So please keep watching and please keep listening. And now for the first time in the media, we will hear the voice of Stacy Hashi. Stacy, no need to sign, but let us hear those dulcet tones. It's great to have you here on ML Sola Detroit. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Well, just so we're clear with your husband listening, I didn't have you in the English sense where you're a guest on this show. I, I just don't want to get pounded into uh, submission or any other form by, uh, by the formidable uh, captain. <laughs> well, I'm sure that if he was standing here right now, he's upstairs kind of wrangling the kids so that this can happen right now. But if he was here, he'd tell you that he's, he's got his price. So just, you know, negotiate with him later. Okay, I think he learned that from his days bouncing at the clubs. But but tell us a little bit about how your day works. You're you're able to join us now, but you have small children. Um, sometimes, as I understand it, you kind of get the Paul Revere thing. We're like, okay, you're going to Detroit. You're going to Lansing. I see you with the mayor's briefing sometimes. Mostly now, you seem to be uh, upgraded to uh, 
to, I guess, who they're calling Big Gretch. I, I would call her Governor Whitmer, but, uh, but I just don't like to get in any trouble. She's kind of big on those executive orders. She is. She is. And it's funny because I actually started interpreting the governor's press, conf- governor's press conferences before, and then my name got thrown into the ring for the mayors. So I was actually driving home from Lansing, finishing a press conference with the governor when I got a call saying that they were looking for an interpreter for Mayor Duggan four o'clock that afternoon. So I didn't even go home. I just went straight to Detroit and the police headquarters there and picked up a second gig. Hopefully you took care of some of those warrants while you were there too. I did. I was able to pay them all off. So we're free and clear, free and clear, which is why I can appear here today because now there's no way that they're not looking for me anymore. With this zoom, we can't tell whether you're wearing a tether, but we'll take your word for it. (laughs) Watching the, I hide it with my pants. (laughs) Every day, uh, governor has, well, it seems like every day, not every day, but there's a lot of press conferences on TV and we're always watching them. And I cannot tell you how many people have said, why isn't Stacy wearing a mask and why is she so close? Especially when you used to do it back in the governor's office. That was kind of a weird setup. Um, why aren't you wearing a mask? Have you been tested? Does the governor get tested? Um, I have not been tested. I do wear a mask, but I'm not on camera. So the whole time I'm around other people, I am wearing a mask. It's not until I step behind the governor and just FYI for everybody I actually have a tape mark on the ground of where I have to stand and it is measured that I am six feet away. So even though the camera angle may not look like I'm six feet away, I am technically six feet away. Um, But because there are a lot of linguistic aspects of American Sign Language that are on the face, if I were to wear a mask, it would cut out a good portion of the ability to understand me. It would be like somebody trying to talk with a gag in their mouth. And you're obviously not going to understand them very clearly. So if you take away the bottom half of my face, there's a lot of the language aspect that gets removed. So it's just, it would not be as effective for the deaf community if I was wearing a mask. Is that one of the biggest conceptions that hearing people have about um, signing is that it's just all in the hands? Or what what are some of the biggest misconceptions? Um, One of the biggest misconceptions, which I hear all the time is um, just FYI, it is not universal. What we use here in America is very different than what we use in other countries or what is used in other countries. And one of the, um, the way American Sign Language was formed was actually developed by a French man. So the grammatical aspect, and I'm sorry if I'm nerding out on language, but (laughs) it's actually backwards. So it's more, if anybody speaks French or Spanish. So for example, we would say, the black chair and there and in sign language we sign chair black so it's reversed and that's so that's I'm, how the french speak as well yeah. their adjectives Correct. go after the uh the object so that makes sense it's in terms of speaking with a gag sean occasionally indulges in a ball gag but we, we're gonna we're gonna try and keep it that's sophisticated i'm sorry <laughs> I'll, I'll go back to no you know, i wondered i wondered how long it was going to take you to say that but i am curious stacy does it does it surprise you that People don't give you the benefit of the doubt. Not you, not you specifically, but you and, and other folks that do this, and and maybe think you know what? The, maybe the camera angle is fooling me. Surely there's a reason she's not wearing a mask. I, I just don't understand to, to Mark's point or to Mark's question that that uh, so many people want to believe what they want to believe. It's just it's, instead of just saying, hey, there's surely some science and there's some reasons that you just explained it. Does that reaction surprise you, or is it just sort of right? You write it off as human nature. It, I find it's more, I find it surprising and I find it disappointing. 
Like, I just feel like we would be so much better if everybody just assumed positive intent. And that just goes across the board. That's for everything. And I feel it's pretty sad and a, kind of a sad state of affairs that nobody does anymore. Everybody just assumes that people are doing things for the wrong intentions. And I just, if we all assumed positive intent by everybody else, I feel like we would get through this a lot better. Well, it's interesting. We live in a world of optics now and, and how people perceive things. Cause you'll see like NBC nightly news, every reporter doing a standup has a mask on outside, which they really don't need to do, but I think we know why they're doing it. And I think some people sometimes will look at those press conferences and go, they don't have masks on and they want us to wear masks. And you know, you wonder about that. And I just, I was curious about, like you said, the facial aspect of signing. So I don't know. And it's also a very controlled environment where we are, where it's all filmed. It's very few people. There's, there's hardly anybody in there and everybody before you go in, their temperature is taken. And so it's, it is controlled in a sense. Um, to that point, it's not like we're meandering. We're not storming yeah. the steps of the Capitol and standing really close to each other as we saw a couple weeks ago. To that point, watching other press conference, be it the mayors or uh, Cuomo's out of New York, or even the president's, um, you know, two-hour press press conferences that he has, uh, we see who's asking the questions. We see the social distancing, but for some reason, we don't see that with Whitmer's, and it's been kind of driving some people a little nuts, wondering who is asking the questions because we don't see them. Who who is as we assume they're pool reporters, but they don't identify themselves. Some questions seem like maybe they're staged. Uh, what can information can you provide on that? Um, unfortunately, very little. Just because I'm not involved in that aspect, there are always a couple reporters in there who are almost always impossible to hear as I'm standing up there. <laughs> so the struggle is real for that as an interpreter aspect goes. But um, from my understanding, there's usually. I don't know, two to three, inter two to three reporters in there. And they're, as far as I know, they're asking whatever questions may be emailed to them. I'm assuming I have no idea. Yeah. So one, one thing that the governor doesn't do that the mayor does that I think is a, is a good idea is it's in a, it's in a big room. So you don't have to really worry about getting too close to anybody, but now there's a podium with a microphone where the reporters can go up there and ask their question and, and generally identify themselves. So people listening on either Facebook or on, on the broadcasts, you know, know who's asking the question, but I, I can tell you based on uh, what I know that there are pool reporters sent in there because typically we'll have our state house reporter, Paul Egan, who does a great job, send out a note that says, does anybody have a question for the governor? Cause I'll either ask it today or I'll pass it along to the pool reporter. But I also have reporters, reporters at the free press who will say to me, Hey, I'm working on something. Can you ask a question of the mayor today? And, uh, and on the days I can't make it, we pass them through John Roach, who's the mayor's spokesman, but I'm trying to get to more of these so I can ask the questions myself because really there's no substitute for being able to ask a question and to ask a follow-up. And, uh, and that's um, the problem. It's, it's, the follow-up you know, questions. Yeah. It, it eliminates some of those questions where it's just like, Oh, Governor, you're doing such a great job. Can you tell us how amazing you are? Because a lot of people want to know. I, I haven't heard too many of those questions, but uh, <laughs> maybe the dude upstairs heard some of them. And by that, I don't mean God. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> well, I, I hear some softball questions. I'm, I'm Jewish. <laughs> That's my faith. You don't look Jewish. That's right. Well, I'm wearing pants. <laughs> um, I will say, though, that a lot. another aspect of why they don't necessarily, I'm assuming, don't pan over to the reporters who are asking the questions is, 
because we're practicing social distancing and I'm locked into where I am standing and that is it. If they were to zoom, if they were to have a camera over on the reporters, we don't have another interpreter over by the reporters. So anything that happens is not going to be interpreted on the screen. So in order to provide access, it's just easier to keep the interpreter in the shot. So, so Stacy, we're doing bass month this this month on uh, in our new wave music feature. One of my favorite bass players of all time was a local guy. He played bass for this band called Horse. And what I liked about him, he, he's a good bass player, but he had the craziest, craziest facial in- expressions. It was just more fun to watch his face than to really listen to the music. And sometimes you guys, and and I know that that you have a. You know, you'll swap out at, at different points. Bethany, of, Bethany makes great facial expressions. Her eyebrows are very expressive. Yes, some of some of this is is I think some of us watching who aren't as as knowledgeable about this say, is, is this commentary? Are you uh, uh, are you maybe fighting some sort of gaseous issue? I mean, what's going on there? Well, and again, it goes back to the facial expression shows um, intensity. So. Um, something that's very serious or more intense, something that's big has a very different expression than something that's really small. Also, the way your eyebrows are changes the intent of the question. So if your eyebrows are up, you're asking a question that would expect a yes, no answer. So Hmm. um, you would sign, are you going? And if you wanted a yes, no, are you going? Your eyebrows would be up. You don't sign the word A like R. But if you want to know where you're going, your eyebrows go down and that would indicate you need an answer of where you're going a wh question i don't know if that translates or if anybody can kind of follow that so our eyebrows are a crucial part of the grammar and the understanding so have you ever had because i think you before uh the pandemic you did a lot of work in uh in the courts right correct so have you ever had to sign something where somebody said something and you're like, oh, I can't let my eyebrows go up like, I oh, know that's bullshit, you know, or <laughs> don't believe that, you know, we've got to say, okay, dial it back, dial it back. Yeah, the poker face, um, you have to kind of learn to control your face and stay as neutral as possible, where there's a lot of things that um, we've even had situations before um, where... <laughs> A deaf person has said something or even a hearing person has said something in court and you just you just don't want to say it either way. You don't want to say it out loud or you don't want to sign it. And it happens to both. And to have to say it and just keep your composure and keep like keep your own opinion out of it sometimes can be a challenge. Well, to that point, I assume when people find out that you're a translator, they want to know dirty words right away, right? Always. First question always is how do you sign We've actually been in a situation before where it was um, was a, I'll try and keep it vague, a mental health situation. And once the rest of the people in the group realized that we had to sign everything that they said. Oh, boy. um, MFR was dropped probably about once every 30 (laughs) seconds, just so that the interpreters would have to sign it. Can you show us that sign for people on Facebook Live? Do you really want to see oh, it? Oh God, yes! More than anything. Is it appropriate? I don't know. Am I going to get censored? I'm saying there's, please. There's no I'm FCC please. here. And if you could also show us, a, oh no, you didn't. That would be good to have. <laughs> please. I think you all know. Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, finger <laughs> motherfucker is a motherfucker. Oh really? Yeah. Well, so, think of the word mother. Mother. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 
that's a sign for mom. Just that's FYI. Great thing about having trouble now for showing everybody the dirty signs. Yeah, right. see, for me, the sign for mom is the hand like that holding a wooden spoon. So it's different. <laughs> that's I don't know if that's the American sign language or just what we had in my house. Are but, there, are uh, there, that would be called what we call home sign. So you develop your oh. kind of own way to communicate at home. That would definitely be your sign for home well, for your mom at home. Are there um, symbols that hearing people use with their hands that actually translate to slang for uh, sign language? Um, there's actually a couple things that are pretty funny that we kind of joke about. Um, I remember when I first started going to college, the movie The Grinch came out, the mm-hmm. Jim Carrey one. And I was working at a movie theater while I was in college. And there's this huge poster of Jim Carrey and his Grinch costume going like this, like he would have been like stroking his chin. Yeah. And um, it can be misunderstood for the sign for lesbian. So every time I walked into work, I felt like Jim Carrey was just screaming lesbian at me, which was interesting. And then the other thing is that a lot of newscasters tend to stand with their hands like this. I'm sure you've seen oh, yeah. instead of crossing their fingers, they put the tips of their fingers together. Uh, yes, I, the I, hand I, the hand vagina. I, I, yes, I assume that's what exactly that means. Exactly what it is. It is yeah. the sign for vagina. So Whoa. Um, Does this mean if the you same? can get on that and get everybody to stop signing that, that would be great. Just tell them to fold their hands. Fold your fingers. Stop. Maybe, uh, maybe it's secret code. Yeah. <laughs> Could be. People are looking what? for any meaning. Wow. So uh, another reason to wash your hands frequently. Yes. Stacy, please. Just, you don't want things to get too funky. Um, no. Please, down there. Please tell Definitely me. Definitely not. Please tell me you saw my favorite sign language uh, situation of all time. I think it was the funeral for Nelson Mandela where the guy got up there who didn't know sign language. Um, <laughs> do you, can you, could you make out anything he kept? So he kept doing this, like putting his hands to his chest. He kept doing this. Was he making and doing this? Uh, no, he, he signed absolutely nothing that made any sense. <laughs> and then another well, interesting one was down when hurricane Harvey was going on. There was the gentleman in Florida. I don't know if anybody saw no, that. No, I'm writing it down. Hurricane. What no. did he do? Trevor Noah does a fantastic, like he makes, he does a little clip on it because the guy was signing, like the governor was telling people to evacuate, like the storm is coming, get out of here. And the poor deaf people in Florida were seeing signs like man, bear and pizza and mom and just absolute gibberish. And there was a huge outcry because he just absolutely had no idea what he was doing. Oh, Where did he come from? How did that happen? The story that we heard, which no, I don't know how verified it is, but the story we heard is that somebody heard that he had a deaf family member and that he knew a little bit of sign language. So they're like, hey, you know, some sign language, come, come, come interpret this important press conference. That's Florida. That's Florida for you. Um, So here's another question we had watching the press conference, because it seems like a lot of people, not everybody, so that might be the reason why, has closed captions on their television, but I'm sure... Uh, maybe important information is left out. Is is that why that they need a signer and closed captioning? Um, part do, of it. In other Captions words, are do, not always accurate. Do, sorry, do, go ahead. I'm, I was just, I'm sorry. I mean, interrupt. But deaf, um, uh, do they do they prefer signing over closed caption? I I don't know. I guess that's my assumption. Um, uh, some people do if they're deaf and they consider themselves culturally deaf, meaning they use American Sign Language to communicate. And going back to the whole English is very different and structured very different. So trying to read the captioning, which are usually full of errors and wrong Mm -hmm. words and choppy and things that are left out. So if you think about it, if you took like a high school, if you took French in high school, okay? We. And now there's this global pandemic 
and the only access you have to information is closed, like crappy captioning in French, and that's how you're getting all of your information, you're not going to get a lot of the information. So seeing it in sign language, they actually, it's their first language, it's their native language, so they're going to understand it more. Well, um, do you have time for a quick story yeah, about the oh differences yeah. between the language? Sure. Yes. Okay. Is it dirty? Yeah, it's not, but it's humorous. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> it was actually called to court and there was a gentleman who um, said that he had gotten a ticket and he kept telling me that his ticket was for a large dog and it wasn't true. His dog wasn't large. And I was a little confused and I kept asking, I was like, is it, do you live in an apartment? Do you like, do you have rules in your city? Is it a pit bull? Do you have maybe ordinances that you can't have a specific kind of dog? And he kept saying, no, it's just the small mutt. It's like 30 pounds and could not figure out what this guy was there for. So we go into the courtroom and the judge says, you've got a ticket for your dog being at large. Oh, I see. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but because of the grammatical structure of ASL, they would have signed dog large, not large dog. So your dog at large and the word at didn't translate. So he read that ticket as he got a ticket for his dog, his dog being large. Oh, wow. So I had to explain, no, dog at large, that word at has meaning. It changes the meaning. Was your dog out of your yard roaming around? And he was like, yes. And I was like, okay, that's why you got a ticket. So then I had to explain the judge on the language differences and things like that. So again, just everyday English is not always as clear as it could be in sign language. So how I would have signed a large dog is different than your dog at large. It's really interesting watching you speak because uh, you gesticulate. And I'm wondering, are, are you consciously signing while you're talking to us? I am not. I'm That's sorry. Just, you just, just My husband gesticulate. always yells pockets. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Now, now, Stacey, do you find that, because uh, so I'll cover a lot of court proceedings and I always, sometimes you see the stenographer, the court reporter who repeats things into a tape, which they must type up later or just typing away. And I know they have a shorthand so they can keep up, but I'm wondering, do you ever get in a situation where somebody's just talking so fast? You're like, well, here's the deal. I'm behind. I got to just say, uh, this guy said some shit and uh, stay safe, everybody. You cannot. Um, but how do you keep up? Um, well, that's why there's usually two people, just in case you're missing information. They can hold what you're missing and then feed it to you later. Like they, we say feed, but then they, they tell you what you missed. Especially in the court, you cannot just summarize what they're saying. The court is very specific about what you have to do and how we have to do it. We have to be have a special endorsement and go through special training and all of that stuff. So... Um, if you get it, and it's funny because a lot of people, when they see that they're working with an interpreter, they'll look at me and they'll say, don't worry, I'm going to talk really slow for you. And honestly, I have an easier time interpreting for somebody who speaks fast than I do somebody who speaks slow. Hmm. Okay. And it doesn't help if they talk louder, right? Talking louder does not help. It doesn't make, it doesn't help anybody. Or if they move their mouth really, really (laughs) exaggerated, it doesn't help either. (laughs) That's that's what my dad used to do when uh, talking (laughs) to someone who couldn't speak good English. It's like, why are you doing an Asian accent to this French guy? (laughs) What are you talking about? Uh, Stacey, are your hands insured? Have you ever injured your hand? I actually have. It's funny that you ask that. I had tendonitis of my index finger. Well, that's got to affect your job. It did. I was actually on a job and um, unfortunately I did not have a teamer that day and they said it was going to be this short and simple and 
this and it turned out to be this super long training and the sign the letter x is this is the mm. letter x like this mm-hmm. and we the words that they were using over and over again had the letter x because it was computer systems oh, God. because i had to keep doing this over and over by the end of the day 8 hours later my finger was swollen and i could barely bend it and i my doctor still teases me about it to this day He's like, you're the only person I've ever seen to have tendonitis of the index finger. Oh, wow. So does that become like a, a speech impediment where you can't, you know, you can't, or a lisp where you can't quite move your hand the right way to say something? It was. I ended up having to switch to my left hand, which is not as fluid as my right. Oh, damn. Yeah. And so, so talk, talk about that for a second. I, I, is it, do you just need one hand to say all the words that you have to say? Uh, most signs are understood on just one hand. It's not as clear, obviously, but they can be understood. So if I see somebody hand. doing this, they're they're fake. Correct. <laughs> okay. I hate. Although the, interestingly uh, enough, British sign language is very different than American sign language, and their alphabet uses two hands, where our alphabet only uses one. Elitists. I hate the sign for dog. By the way, I don't know why it just bothers me because isn't don't you have to slap your knee? Dog? Yeah, but isn't there another one where you like, I don't know. Snap your leg? Yeah. Yeah, hey. snap and pat. You have a visitor. Yeah, I do have <laughs> a visitor. Fun. Sorry. That's cute. Looks oh, like the fun. boss is coming in. So, Stacy, we should we should probably let you uh, get back to the family, but on behalf of your many, many fans. Oh, first, before I do that, do you have a sense of how many people are actually hearing and understand? I shouldn't say hearing, understanding what the, what the governor and the mayor and other people are saying? based on your work? I mean, how big is that audience? Um, Actually, they just did a census in the state of Michigan. Um, The Department of Civil Rights did this big needs assessment for all of the deaf people in um, Michigan. Hold on, please. And um, it turns out that there, I don't remember the statistics now, but if you go to the Michigan Department of Civil Rights website, all of the statistics on deaf people, hard of hearing, people who are also deaf and blind, and all of that information is there. Okay. Because so, I can't make up a number. I don't want to be wrong. Wow. So you really haven't learned anything from the politicians. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> Maybe that's okay. best. Well, Stacy, thanks for joining us. Uh, we look forward to seeing you. And on behalf of your many fans, um, please continue to maintain your uh, your hairstyle because I'm worried with the uh-huh. executive order that if things start to get a little ratty, women across the country and my wife and her friends are going to say, you got to talk to Stacy." It's so long. I cannot wait to get a haircut. I'm waiting, <laughs> anxiously awaiting, just like everybody else. <laughs> and and bangs are good or bad because of the eyebrows. You can do that or can't do that. Um, I cannot. Okay, so bangs. I'm, t- I'm told bangs are out anyway. So that's, yeah, that's what I hear too. It's never a good decision. <laughs> well, Stacy, thank you so much for joining us. Be safe on those drives up to Lansing, and hopefully, we'll see you at the mayor's. Uh, Mayor's briefing one of these days when you when you start slumming with those of us here in the uh, in the beautiful city of Detroit. I love the beautiful city of Detroit. Thank you for having me, ML. Is this thank you? Yeah, thank, you, thank you, Thank you, Stacy. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And and this means you're a New York cabbie. Mm. That is true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have uh, you know you know Charlotte. She um, was a little slow speaking, and now we've done this with our other daughter, Char six, Annie's two. Taught him sign language, and man, it helps little kids communicate like crazy. So that's why I know please and thank you and cat and very simple, simple things. I don't know. What? Cool story. Uh, Teresa taught me sign language. Basically, when I see her picking up something heavy, I know that means she wants something. That's the only thing I understand. (laughs) That's the expression in her face that is signaling that to you. 
She's a very effective communicator. I'll just say that. <laughs> thank you, Stacy. Appreciate it. No, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in, and I'll never change. Ray Nutt. Ray Nutt. Ray Nutt. Ray Nutt. Ray Nutt Infinity. Ray Nutt Infinity. Plus one. No. I was reading last week we had a great discussion about Michael Jordan and the bad boys. If you missed last week's episode, please check it out at mlsoulofdetroit.com. You can also find past episodes at iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere quality listening is uh, hosted. Um, but we are debating Michael Jordan this week because he's trying to get out from under a statement he made many, many years ago when he was asked to get involved in the North Carolina governor's race. At that time, the mayor of Charlotte, a gentleman named Harvey Gant, not the prosecutor from Batman, so just stop right now, was running for a senator. And he was running against Jesse Helms, who had been the senator in North Carolina since they had slavery. And as far as I understand, he was disappointed that they had gotten rid of that. So this was a very, very critical race. It was a very close race. And Michael Jordan was asked why as a North Carolinian, he was not making an endorsement in that race. By the way, Harvey Gantt was a black gentleman. So this was a pretty big issue for people of color in North Carolina and really around the country. And Michael Jordan's response was Republicans buy sneakers too. Mm -hmm. um, when I heard that, it reminded me a little bit of LeBron James basically not backing up the NBA executive who was critical of China for their suppression of free speech. And it got me thinking, you know, I like it when athletes don't try and tell me what to think, but is there a time when athletes may be obligated or should feel an obligation to let us know what they think about of important issues of the day? To what I and I know, I know strong, uh, Sean feels very strongly about this, but apparently uh, that Mondo burrito he had also has him <laughs> yeah, feeling strongly about some other things. So, uh, but so uh, Sean, um, well, he's, uh, he's I've never agreed gone. with you more, <laughs> but I want to ask you, you think that they, oh, he's back. Uh, who are you to decide when they speak up and when they don't speak up? I'm just, uh, I'm just a guy who they want to pay in Jordan's case, hundreds of dollars for sneakers or hundreds of dollars to take my family to watch him dribble around and, uh, and hang his yeah. tongue out. And you don't have to do that. And he doesn't have to speak out, um, in politics if he didn't want to, whatever his motivation is, be it money or otherwise. Sure. Well, I, I think, I think in this case, the issue isn't so much that, uh, we expect him to speak out. It's that he, and he's, he's tried to, to get out from under these comments for 30 years now, but it, it, or 20 years, whatever it is. But it's that feeling of, you know, I may have an opinion about this, but uh, for the right price, I'll keep my mouth shut. And I think I have a really, a real problem with people taking um, their principles and burying them beneath their checkbook. Maybe um, he didn't care to get involved in politics. Maybe he doesn't think politically. I mean, it's hard to believe that with that, with the Jesse Helms, uh, Gantt race, but I don't know. I, like you just said, we hear everything from every athlete. Maybe it's kind of nice that someone does, you know, it's very comparable, not only to LeBron, like you mentioned with China, but Tom Brady wouldn't talk about the Donald Trump hat in his locker room. Cause he's a friend. Cause he didn't, he doesn't want to wallow in that because frankly, can you win? Can could Tom Brady win going into a, in a debate like that? 
No, uh, I don't well, think Well, so. you're always going to make half of the audience mad. And, I guess the question is, is it 49% or 51%? But but with Jordan saying that, uh, well, I was only kidding, that that I, I just don't get that. I think you either own the comments and you move on instead of, all. Well, okay, well, if you were kidding, then. So you don't, you don't you think know, it was a throwaway comment on a bus, like he said? Um, maybe it was. I don't know. Now, this is this is why I, I try to uh, bring in the the, the big guns. Yeah, uh, now that he's back, and there's there no one there's no one who has a larger bore, and that's a that's a measure of a muzzle than uh, than Sean Windsor. Well, I guess I am the damsel in distress as you introduced uh, the way you introduced me at the beginning of the show. I'm sorry, I held it as long as I could before I had to go go take care of that. But uh, I don't know. Sorry about that. What are we talking about, man? Look, Tom Brady is not part of a. a a group of folks that are oppressed in this country. So first of all, I don't, I don't okay. buy that argument at all. Fair. I, I think um, I have mixed feelings and I hate to say that. I know Elric's going to say, you know, right. You always do. Uh, Obama made uh, president Obama made some, uh, made a couple of comments in the documentary the other night about this, right. That uh, yes, Jordan disappointed a, a lot of folks within the black community when he did that or when he wouldn't do that. And to this day, um, and just read the reaction, reading some stories the last few days, you can see and, and hear the disappointment is still there to some degree. However, what President Obama mentioned, and I think this is uh, also a very fair point, that black folks are held to a different standard, right? So you, you, you almost have to be perfect. And the, so there's pressure to do to do that. And Obama talked about, obviously, with himself, you, you can't make mistakes in the same way. That's their perception. And uh, he was he was projecting that onto uh, to Jordan's decision back in the late the eighties, I guess. And by the way, his mother had asked him to step into the because she was politically motivated. Mm-hmm. So it was Jordan's own mother asking him to do that. And in the documentary, maybe the, the the first installment or the second installment, he talked about how racist it was to grow up in Wilmington in North Carolina and how he wanted to get out of there. And then wouldn't in turn go and talk about Helms and the destruction he had brought upon uh, race relations in that state. So I think that it's, it's layered and complex in that way. Well, I think he gets a lot of crap for it because of the, the comment, you know, Republicans buy sneakers too. Everyone's like, Oh, he's just in it for the money. So I guess it really goes to whether or not you believe that, uh, what his motivation was for saying that. Well, first of all, I want to refute something Sean said uh, uh, about Tom Brady. Billionaires are getting a lot of criticism these days. So he is he is part of a uh, a beleaguered uh, minority. But I, I think your point about um, about uh, there being a deeper issue here that that really called for Jordan to weigh in is right on. And I think it also kind of brings us back to our Biden discussion where now you're hearing women being criticized for not being harder on Joe Joe Biden, because of these allegations that he may have assaulted somebody, there's this 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 perverse perverse um, cultural twist where we we pillory people who have been oppressed for not being more outspoken about being oppressed. But then if they're not outspoken enough, we say we we criticize them for that, too. So, first of all, you, you get downtrodden. And then if you're not lighting the world on fire and running around, uh, you know, throwing bombs, then you get criticized for not being out there enough. It's almost like a no win situation. And uh, that drives me crazy. 
Well, that was Obama's point to some degree. And by the way, Mark. And Obama was criticized all the time for not doing enough, right? I mean, he, first you know, black exactly president what, and people are saying, ah, you could do more. He's like, yo, I'm the first black president. What more can I do? What do you want? A kidney? Come on. And to your point about Tom uh, Brady, Mark, I mean, think about it. He, he had the Trump hat, whatever. Maybe he, he leans to the right politically. Are there any folks, are there any white folks out there who are upset that he didn't speak out? I mean, when does that ever happen when it's a white athlete that's not that's not taking a stance? That Because there's no sense that he represents all white folks or most white folks, that he has to do it, and therefore he's letting white folks down if he's not speaking up. That just doesn't happen. It's just, Actually, it's, it's, uh, it's not the same. So, so Sal told me he bends to the left. So Jordan has to be the spokesperson for all black people? No, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. It's not for my my place to say that. I'm saying that's that's how it's seen and viewed within in large parts of the black community, though, right? That you're represented because they're a minority community. Is there? Uh, and that's and that's the difference. Oh, I I don't know the timing behind it, but a lot of people remember the famous ad with Barkley. I am not a role model. Remember that ad? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, that, did, yeah I think right, it right, right. did. That come out before or after the DUI? Well, maybe there. Maybe there's a feeling there that it's, they maybe they just want to play basketball and make money and not not get into this because you can't win. And uh, Rob Parker wrote right. a, wrote a really good column, and I I love Rob. I think Rob's a good guy, and he's comparing Jordan and that whole situation to LeBron and how LeBron spoke out about Trayvon Martin, about Eric Gardner. He spoke out against President Trump, but he didn't mention that when it came to China. Oh, he did he did mention it a little bit, but when it came to he China, did. he was mute. And that, to me, is even worse than what Jordan did by a mile. No, Rob, I read that column. Parker, Rob Parker's point was that that one, that him saying silent about China, which has nothing to do with the black community, by the way, sure. in this country, um, doesn't undo all the social justice work LeBron has done before that. But beyond all, I mean, to me, that was Rob Parker's point. But, mm-hmm. to, but beyond all that, again, it gets back to this idea. It, I think it's what you're saying, Mark, is how fair is that really? That if you have that kind of success, that you have to speak for your larger community. White folks are allowed to um, not speak or speak, and they don't get criticized one way or the other for it. Yeah. White, I'm talking about athletes. I'm talking about professional, like you mentioned, Tom Brady. Nobody cares if he says anything or not. It's just, not, you know, when, when Jordan didn't speak, Jim Brown was all over him. Right. Well, the, and, and, a lot, and a lot of other folks. And maybe that's why, because you, you come out, you know, post Muhammad Ali post uh, well not post i mean it was still going on but the big push in the late 60s and 70s i forget what that group was in cleveland um where they right, spoke out right. with jim brown was part of it and i, I don't know if cream or lou elson or that time was there so i think there just was that expectation for jordan to say something but i feel like now we're applying 2020 rules to something that happened 30 years ago and i don't think that's fair for jordan well, you know, I, to, to, to put a fine point on this, uh, fair to Jordan or not, I guess my, my feeling on this is if you have something to say, if you can contribute to the debate, you shouldn't let the decision on whether to weigh in be whether or not it's going to affect your bottom line. So, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, say what you have to say, but don't hold your tongue because you're worried that somebody may hold your credit rating, too. Oh man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? Once again, competition for Geek of the Week honors is fierce. 
Our first competitor is an Alabama man who was arrested for camping on Discovery Island at Walt Disney World while the park was closed. This uh, zoological park with aromatic trees and walk-through aviaries closed in 1999, but Johnny Diaz of the New York Times reports that Richard McGuire decided he'd hang out there during the pandemic because Brilliant. it looked like a tropical paradise. Brilliant. Still, he can't that's not geek. enough no, to that's... get you honors. No, no, no. The competition is fierce. We have our friend Tesla CEO, Elon Musk, who called the coronavirus lockdowns fascist and said people should get back their GD freedom. Well, that may be a fair a point of view, and it's one we've certainly heard expressed in this state, usually at the point of an AR-15. But Fayez City of the Washington Post reports that Musk launched into this during an a, uh, earnings call. And it's possible that one of the reasons he was so incensed is because that the pandemic has forced the shutdown of his factory just as it was ramping up production of its Model Y, the crossover vehicle expects to be his best-selling product. So again, do we have principle over money? And with Elon, who also, I guess, hasn't done very much with his uh, ventilator promise no. and certainly mm -hmm. didn't do too much with his mini-sub either. So Elon, put a sock in it, whether it's battery-powered or not. Still, not enough to get you the title. Another competitor, a strong competitor, especially for me who believes in truth over everything. I don't care whether I agree with you on your politics or not. Once you lie to me, I'm out. Well, 15 minutes after promising not to lie, President Trump's new press secretary made an obviously false claim about a former Trump official who had admitted to lying. Philip Bump of the Washington Post reports that new White House press secretary Kayleigh McEnany told a reporter, I will never lie to you. You have my word on that. But 15 minutes later... I guess that word wasn't worth very much. Still, this week's Geek of the Week is the IRS, what? which is telling parents who did not get their $500 per child uh, grant, their support, that it won't arrive until next year because in the rush to get this money out, they didn't have all their stuff together. So you may have gotten your $1,200, but if you do your $500 per kid, you're going to have to wait because why, why would you need money now? What's the big deal? Just wait till next year. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me tell you something. It's that kind of thinking IRS that wins you our honor as geek of the week. The kids are soft. I don't care for that guy. Me neither. Too no. soft. I'm going to pretend like you need to just make my dick go soft. You new imaging for you all right i like it it's fantastic mr matthew jennings editor of soft magazine with this week in soft history my friend what do you got for us okay here's what we got this week in soft history in 1952 mr potato head was the first toy to advertise on television mr potato head one of the dumbest toys possibly ever yeah if anything, it proves that bad ideas sometimes work out. And by the way, thanks for bringing me on, ML. <laughs> yes, um, uh, you know, Mr. Potato Head was the stupid person, stupidest looking person in uh, in all video until we started going live on Facebook. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Hey, keep trashing the things that brought uh, millions of children joy. For that toy that. sucks. But that's okay. That toy sucks, man. You don't think no, so, anything, Sean? Anything you have to open up and shove in a butt. Oh, yeah, I know you guys want to use your or anything you have to use your imagination with and, and reconfigure and look at it, get you to look at life in a slightly different way. I can see why none of you. Oh, like it's that. a piece of crap. Imagination. You put the ear ears in the yeah, ear hole. You put the nose in a nose hole. You put the mouth in the mouth hole. 
you know, you what's can, the imagination? You can, you can reconfigure it. You know what I mean? It's like an abstract painting, right? Uh, uh, a little well, bit of surrealism, me, maybe. I got a come question on, for Mark, though. Yes, Mark, please. Do you have any favorite toys growing up? Oh, wait, lots. wait, don't answer that. This is a family show. <laughs> the adult toys are better. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no. and let's move on. In 2000, please. Rod Stewart had a one-hour operation to remove a growth in his throat. Oh, the growth was tested, and it turns out he just needed his stomach pumped. <laughs> I thought the growth was David Bowie. <laughs> Actually, my my old joke was going to be Elton John's testicle, but I wasn't going to say that out loud. On oh, what's the first? TV, what's the first thing? But, but you just did. Oops. But what's the first? Oh, crap! <laughs> what's the first thing people think of with Rod Stewart now? It's the urban legend, isn't it? I thought the, I thought it was Elton John. Really? Yeah. Am I the only one that thinks of the urban legend with Rod Stewart? Uh, I, I always heard David Bowie. Do you know the uh, urban legend? David Bowie. No, I always heard Rod Stewart, but I was living in Illinois, central. So you know, we oh, yeah. uh, we once Close had Bible Belt. we once had Rachel Hunter. You guys, well, she was married to him. Yes, we he had, was married to Rod Stewart for a while. She was uh, in some of his videos too. And I just want to point out, she told us that uh, not only is she aware of it, but Rod was very aware of the urban legend of him getting his stomach pumped, which how could you not? But that was pre-internet. So I'm sorry. Carry on. I digress. Okay. Well, in 2006, the Dave Matthews Band agreed to pay $200,000 after their tour bus dumped human waste on a buttload, excuse me, a boatload of tourists in Chicago, making it the second worst release by any band ever. And the uh, the first worst release was also by the Dave Matthews Band. Close. R. Kelly. Oh, yeah, true. That's a good point. Good point, man. Watch any story. Listen to any story about L. Kelly, and you know what kind of waste got released. Yes. No, I I, uh, I put Dave Matthews up there with one of the artists I don't really like, but I respect because when he puts on a show, he, he puts everything into it. So I was working as a beer man at Comerica Park for the uh, Dave Matthews show there about, geez, 15 years ago. I made so much money because he played forever. Uh, and so yeah. you get to the end of the show and we're still selling beer because they don't cut you off with like at a ball game. And near the, the very top of the uh, center field uh, uh, bleachers or whatever you'd call them there, there's a couple having sex. Mm. And so I didn't get too close. I kept my social distance and I said, can I get you guys a couple beer? And the guy's like, no. I'm like, so you, you take your woman to a ball game. You basically go to town and you're not going to buy her a drink. So Dave <laughs> Matthews, good job. Dave Matthews fans, you got to buy a lady a beer. Well, you just found a new geek of the week. Uh, that, 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 there's a statute of limitations on that. But, yeah, well, that's too bad. Well, how about this? Let's finish up with in 2011. Osama bin Laden was killed by the formidable Special oh. Forces Unit SEAL Team 6. Yeah. Just think, Bin Laden would still be alive today if he had been hiding in the shower. <laughs> did that? Did that compound even have a shower? Yeah, it was the House of Skank. It's probably got a bucket full of something. It's probably not water. I mean, I don't know, but it didn't seem like Osama showered very often. It's just how long ago was that? 2011. My God, that seems like yesterday, doesn't it? I know. A decade, almost a decade after 9/11, which is wow, pretty interesting. Well, his uh, his aversion to water may be explained by the bath SEAL Team Six gave him when they yep. dropped him off of that Navy <laughs> ship yep. on their way back home. So uh, yeah, that's where he's So buried. that was this week uh, in in soft history. Osama oh. got his this week. 
Wait, I got to do my outro. Uh-oh. Oh, no, no, but I'm just trying to, I just want to get the context. It's, this is, this is a pretty good week then for, uh, for yeah. bad guys. Yeah. It's a very good week for bad guys. Excellent. All right. Now here's my outro. I'm so excited to do this. Oh boy. And that's your This Week in Soft History. I'm Mr. Potato Head. I mean, Matt Jennings on ML Solve Detroit, <laughs> part of the Red Shovel Network. Oh, wow. How professional. Wow. That's, uh... <laughs> So this month we're going to feature bass players in room 7609 and I think people don't think of new wave music. I think you you're 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 telling yourself there's a lot of synth, there's a lot of program stuff, there's a lot of stuff people are doing with the keyboard. Well, my friends, I'm here to set the record straight. There are some outstanding bass players and some magnificent bass lines in new wave music. And this week we're going to start off bass month brought to you by Elric Bass Guitars. If you're looking oh. for a handmade custom bass, you can go to elric.com. I am not paid to sponsor this show. In fact, I found some money from the state uh, treasurer's office for my brother, and he didn't even buy me a beer, so Ooh. I'm not even looking for any money there. But uh, Bass Week here in Room 7609 is brought to you by Elric Bass Guitars, which you can check out at elric.com. And we're going to start with Paul Young and one of his fantastic songs called Come Back and Stay. Shut my eyes and I fantasize that you're here with me Will you ever return? I won't be satisfied till you're by my side Don't wait any longer Come back. Why don't you come back? Please hurry, why don't you come back? Please hurry Come back and stay for Said you'd return. You said you'd be mine till the end of time. But I'm waiting any longer. Why don't you come back? Please hurry. Why don't you come back? Please hurry. Come back and stay for good this time. Did you come back and stay for?
you come back? Please hurry, why don't you come back? Please hurry, why don't you come back? Please hurry, just come back and stay for good this time. Did you come back and stay for good this time? Come back and stay for good this time. Did you come back and stay for good this time? if you didn't know him was a blue-eyed soul pop artist uh, from England in the early 80s who had a band that he called the Royal Family and his backup singers were called uh, the Fabulous Wealthy Tarts so that was uh, <laughs> definitely a different era but uh, he was a fairly benign guy nice set of pipes good looking had kind of a crazy quaff couldn't touch Stacy and the hair <laughs> contest he's he's definitely a silver medal and it's 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 not by uh it's not even a, a photo finish but uh but a very nice singer um he had uh he had hits mainly with cover songs that song come back and stay was by jack lee you probably know him from every time you go away which was a hall and oats tune originally oh. wherever i lay my hat which marvin Gaye originally recorded and one of my favorite uh covers by him is i'm going to tear your playhouse down which was done by ann peebles of course everybody remembers and Peebles, whoever the hell that was. But what made Paul Young really stand out was the bass player. If you listen to that, the bass, it, it, it bends, it stretches, it, it, it's emotive in a way that you're not used to hearing. And that is because of the singular talent of Giuseppe Henry Palladino, which with a name like that, you'll find it hard to believe that he's from Cardiff, Wales, mm. better known as Pino Palladino. He's one of the greatest bass players in modern music he plays a fretless bass which allows him to make those moans and those stretches and give it that that voice but he was so talented and so in demand that he not only played early in the new wave and pop movement with paul young but he replaced john entwistle three days after he died in really? tour with the who wow. and he has played with just about everybody you can think of I've always wondered why the hell did he stick around with Paul Young with a nice career, but wasn't as big a deal as a lot of the other acts who were calling for Pino's services. One reason maybe because he married one of those fabulous wealthy tarts. And so that kept him in the Royal family perhaps longer than he would have otherwise stayed there. Huh? That's interesting. It's a cool song. I like that bass line. Yeah. You really hear it play almost like a lead guitar and it, it, it takes that song and like any great cover, it takes a cover song and makes it the artist's own. Paul Young is an interesting guy. Uh, that's also come back and stay as a terrific video. 
And the irony of that video <laughs> is he met his wife, Stacy Smith, while, while filming the video. And the video tells a story of a heartbroken young man who tries to get back the woman who uh, left him after he started cheating on her. Well, in real life, Stacy Smith left Paul Young in 2006 for a younger man. They reconciled in 2009, and he is now raising her love child after she died of brain cancer oh, wow. in 2018. So uh, come back and stay, I guess. I guess goes both ways. So that's uh, that's a little a little this week in soft bass playing new wave history for you here in room seven six oh nine. We're going to have some more great tunes uh, for the rest of the month in room seven six oh nine. Please, when we play them, listen for the way that bass gets out front and really, really takes over. It's uh, it's a beautiful thing. Sean, did you like it? Yeah, it was uh, it was fabulous. <laughs> was it fabulous and wealthy? I like it because you like it, Mike. Now that's the kind of spirit we're looking here. I want you to be happy. I want you to seven six oh nine. So it's just no, about it was, time it for was nice. it was it was soothing. It was nice. Okay. Well, it's just about time for me to roll out for the mayor's daily briefing. Before we go, we want to reach out and tell you we appreciate you listening. We hope that we're helping it, helping you get through this pandemic, uh, making it a little bit easier. And we want to thank you for your feedback. You can write to us at ML soul of detroit at gmail.com you can give us a call and leave a voicemail at 313-288-9070 that's 313 butterfield 89070 we are now up to more than 460 reviews ratings we really appreciate those uh here's what some of our most recent evaluators have said yeah yeah says great show except the intro what that's there's no explanation for that. I, I, I don't know what? why Yeah Yeah says that, but we're going to stick with that positive. And the energy put into those intros. You're fantastic. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, Ponky Knot says, I look forward to every episode. The A2 Ford guy says, love the back and forth between ML and Sean. You should bring Charlie LaDuff on every so often just for the banter. Love the music at the end of the show. It's expanded my playlist Ooh. and uh yeah so we uh, we're glad to hear from the a24 guy i'm assuming that's ann arbor and i know it's not sean because he doesn't work at ford um <laughs> and we'd like to also thank our donors you can donate to the show mark how do people give us their dough uh mlsoladetroit.com is the website and on the little menu bar it says uh, believe it or not donate and you know, all you have to do is click there it's going to take you to uh, paypal so if you donate as an added incentive, when you go to make a donation on PayPal, there's a spot for you to put a note on there. If you put a note on there, if you donate at least $20 to the show, and there's lots of good causes, so I'm not saying you should give us money before a charity, but if you're Tom Brady or uh, you've recently been hit in the head by a mallet and you want to donate, put a note in there. And we're going to do something we're calling Cami Soul. It's sort of like Cameo where you pay somebody a nominal fee to say happy birthday to somebody or make some sort of well wishes, or maybe it's you want us to do the message on your voicemail, whatever. Leave a message on there and we will read that on the show. We're going to be, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're pretty much going to say anything, but there may be some limits. Yeah, don't, can, don't test the limits. You can make Sean say anything you want. There you go. <laughs> like Mike Elric is the kindest, most uh, <laughs> most donations, wi wisest, amazing human being I've ever met. He's right? gonna make that's he's a, gonna make the most a, donations. ML. That's the best twenty bucks I ever spent. <laughs> so uh, so here's some people who donated out of the goodness of their hearts. 
Uh, April, we want to thank Rudolph. We want to thank Frank. We want to thank Kristen. We want to thank Richard. Wow. We want to thank Mark, who says, ML, been living in Massachusetts for years. Listen to you for a long time on Drew and Mike and love the way you do what you do. I'm a fellow MSU alum and an out-of-state football season ticket holder. Would love to shake your hand one day when we can go back for a game once a year. Get well, be well, look forward to hearing more. Glad I finally got around to giving back. And yeah, I hope we can meet there in East Lansing this year. Anthony, a very, very special thank you, and you know why. David, Rebecca, thank you. Rebecca says, I never miss an episode of your podcast. Respect. Rebecca Green, she is a registered nurse from Cranton, uh, from Trenton. So, Rebecca, thank you for everything you do. And Frank, a double giver in April. So, thank you very much. So, please continue to uh, give and if you want us to uh if you want us to give you a shout out 20 bucks gets the conversation started uh we'd also like to thank longtime sponsor zot zot mm-hmm. car dealerships are back in business they're selling cars they're repairing cars to find out more go to deals in the d.com we appreciate what they're doing to keep you on the road and to keep the economy going. And if you, you know, want to make a donate and get donation and get something for your money, you can purchase some of our fine, fine merchandise. You may have seen Sean's sons looking particularly handsome in those hockey jerseys. We still have some hockey jerseys left. We're getting low on t-shirts and uh, we still have Kwame Sutras and we have stickers. Mark, if somebody wants to get something for their money, how do they do that? Drew and Mike store.com. You can see all the merchandise there. Uh, as, as Matt is uh, displaying his right now, he's fully decked out and all tons of gear. Look so, at that. Yeah, Matt looks fantastic. Matt, Matt, can you, can you flourish those many fine items for us again? Yes, sir. It actually just came in. Really? As you guys were talking. Yeah. At the end of the show, it came in. Does it have coronavirus so I on it? pulled everything out. I got all these stickers. <laughs> All these stickers Beautiful. and this awesome trucker hat, which they have tons of still, and uh, this polo shirt. Well, I was, I was worried with where you were going there. Okay. <laughs> he stood up. Yeah, yeah. Let's, say, uh, no... let's get our, our, our kicks above the waistline sunshine, as Murray Head said in One Night in Bangkok. Uh, another great, fun. great new what? wave show. Well, it's, uh, it's just about. about time for me to go see uh, Mayor Duggan's uh, Daily Do. Uh, gentlemen, anything to say before we, before we turn it over to Cyrus? Be safe. It's a pleasure, as yeah. always. Yeah. yeah. Nice to meet you again, Stacey. Okay, so keep listening, Joe. Thanks for keeping it all together there at the uh, at the uh, Brain Trust. Um, you've been listening to ML Soul of Detroit on the Red Shovel Network. Please check out our other shows, which include the No BS News Hour with Charlie LaDuff, No Filter Sports with Eli, Denny, and Bob, and of course, the folks who make it possible, the Drew and Mike podcast. You have been listening to ML Soul of Detroit on the Red Shovel Network. Cyrus, give me downtown. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Next week, when you tune our way for another adventure of ML Elric, you hear. Hey, look, Barney, what was the idea of dragging me into this doorway when that car came up? Boy, Mr. ML Elric. Did you see him turn around and beat it when he started getting to work? What huh? works? What happened? Oh, we figured you might be followed when you left the Swede, so the. Soul of Detroit. Already on a roof with ash cans, bricks, cans of garbage, stuff like that. Boy, they let him have it. I suppose I should say thanks. Ah, nothing to it. Say, uh, what'd you find out about Danny? Oh, nothing much, kid. Except that there are at least two characters who do anything to keep me from finding out. Well, don't you worry. They won't. Not with a... Soul of Detroit. ...on the job. Right.